episode 89, April 2015. This is a supercut of all Q&A episodes with developer, author, screencaster and speaker Avdi Grimm. This episode is sponsored by the Drapin Design Company and Fieldnotes. Alright, uh, well I am Avdi Grimm and uh, I, I guess I'm a hacker. I'm not sure what else to say. I'm not sure how to introduce myself these days. I'm kind of in an odd position because I'm a programmer, but I make my living now by making videos about programming. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the uh, the Ruby Tapas video series. Mm -hmm. And I guess uh, I'm a member of the Ruby Rogues, uh, which is another podcast. And so I, I do a lot of talking about Ruby. Mm -hmm. And lately I've started writing an ebook about Rake because I've been, been getting a lot of great use out of Rake for the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. And I'd like more people to know just how awesome it is. How did you get into um, programming with Ruby? How did I get into Ruby? I'm trying to think where I first saw it. When I was first, when I first got into it, I was kind of... I was learning a lot of languages. I'd, I'd just I'd gotten interested in just learning about various new languages. This was back in like 2001, and I was experimenting with Python, and I was experimenting with Ruby, and I was doing some stuff with Tickle, and um, I had already been doing some stuff with Perl for a while. I'd actually been using Perl in my job. It wasn't like the, the main software I was developing was in Perl, but it, Perl had turned out to be really useful for automating some development tasks. And Ruby kind of, you know, is inspired in many ways by Perl. And so it was a natural progression to mm -hmm. sort of jump from Perl to a, pro to a language that was like Perl plus Smalltalk objects plus extra lisp goodness. <laughs> what is your setup that you use for writing code? Well, um, I use a computer. Um, uh, I, I write most of my code either in these days, either in Emacs or... Uh, Ruby mine. I kind of switch back and forth depending on what I'm doing. And I guess like hardware wise, I'm running Emacs on a uh, ThinkPad with Ubuntu. I don't know. What else you want to know? Mm -hmm. Have you ever been using Tmux? I don't really do a lot of Tmux. I haven't really found a, a big use for it. The thing about, the thing about Tmacs uh, or <laughs> Tmux, I think when you use Emacs, I, it removes like one of the biggest reasons to use Tmux. It's basically like if you take the Tmux with Vim inside it model and flip it on, on its head, you get Emacs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the one model is you have a terminal multiplexer and you have various, you know, Vim processes and other processes, shell processes running inside the terminal multiplexer. Well, the Emacs model is you do everything inside of Emacs and it has various terminals and buffers and screens inside of it. So it's basically like the, the flip side of the same thing. Do you like working from home or do you have an office? Do you like working at coffee shops? What works best for you? I, um, a mix for me. Uh, I do not have an office per se, not outside the home. Uh, I do work in my home office, which is in, in the basement of my house, which I absolutely love because it means I get to be around my kids a lot. Mm -hmm. However, I, I do regularly, like several times a week, I do go out to a local cafe and I do that as a change of scenery, which I find kind of prods my creative juices to you know get out and uh, change what I'm looking at for a little while. Do you get up early, normal, super late? What's your deal? Uh, it varies, but uh, generally I, I lean towards the late end of things. I think given no other pressures in my life, I tend to gradually move towards a, a night owl schedule. Do you have a daily routine maybe? 
Duh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's actually that's actually one of the the reasons I'm very happy with with my job as it is now because I don't I generally don't do very well with daily routines. So the less need for one, uh, the better I am, the happier I am. I mean, I think different things work for different people, and and I there are definitely a lot of people that that work well with routines. I just the my style of getting stuff done tends towards bursts of effort followed by periods of lethargy. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's all about like monomaniacal focus on one thing for a, for a few days at a time, and then losing interest in it and and doing something else for a while. And and uh, so like you know, for instance, what I'm writing. A book. I usually, I'll just like focus on it for a few days at a time, and then I'll switch to something else. Uh, what about sports or exercise? Are you a fan of that? Uh, I did take up in in the past year or two. I've taken up running. So yeah, I, I would say I'm a, a fan of that. I've never really been much into sports, but these days I do like to run. Uh, I run barefoot. Oh, um, nice. I uh, barefoot or very minimally shod. I have some. Some Huarachi style sandals, which are basically a very narrow, very thin strip of rubber, which is just enough to like keep a super hot, keep my feet away from super hot pavement, nothing more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've been running mainly for distance rather than speed. And it it started out quite honestly, it started out uh, to prove a point and nothing more. Um, I've had asthma my whole life, and uh, I was kind of tired of it bossing me around. Uh, mm-hmm. And tired of believing that I would never run more than thirty seconds at a time, uh, and so I decided to to prove that I could do something different. I've never, I was never actually really interested in long distance running, as as a form of exercise. I'd always been more interested in like lifting weights and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. but I was like, you know what? I can. I want to prove that I can actually run for distances. And so I did. Uh, like now, I you know, for me, five miles is is not a problem, and that's that's super exciting that for me. Awesome. The weird thing was, at some point along the way, I suddenly started enjoying it. Mm-hmm. How many times a week do you go out for a jog? Uh, it depends. Like uh, this week, <laughs> I haven't been out at all. It it really depends on my work schedule. Uh, some weeks I'm I go out a few, you know, like three times. Other other weeks I lucky if I get it in, get in one. Another factor in that is that one of the things that kept me going early was I used the runs as an excuse to listen to audiobooks. Oh yeah. And I really I hadn't had time to listen to not to to read non programming related books in ages. And so for the first time, I found myself able to get through some books that had been sitting on my reading list for just for years and years. And uh, so the runs were sort of partly for their own sake and partly just an excuse to listen to a book for a while because, you know, I can't really do anything else while I'm running. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason that I kind of like the, the long distance running is just because it gives me a longer pe- period of time to, to listen to a book. What are you famous or infamous for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any tips against procrastination? Uh, yeah, have a family and have them depend on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody, my name is Aaron James Draplin. Just got done telling you about my whole life. Uh, the good, the bad, the gross, the ugly, the weird, the sinister, the awesome... And now you need to go to draplin.com and buy some killer merch. Draplin.com backslash merch and things that you need, right? Okay, you need to go there and look at this stuff. And then when you're done with that, you need to go to fieldnotesbrand.com and get some memo books. We'll ship them anywhere. If you're listening to this in Vienna, Austria, or Vienna, 
Illinois, hell, wherever that is, we will we'll ship them there too. Okay, FieldNotesBrand.com. You need these things. Nine ninety five for a three pack. Would you pay for coffee today? Right, right, right. You need this stuff. So Draplin.com, FieldNotesBrand.com, and uh, yeah, those are the, those are the only two links you need in your life. There you go. I guess um, imposter syndrome is something that uh, many people in in our industry suffer from, at least maybe in the beginning. How, how did you deal with imposter syndrome? It's more like, how do I deal with it? Mm -hmm. um, because I, I have regular bouts of, of, oh my God, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, and why, why am I here? And why do people listen to me? I don't know. I mean, you just gotta, you just gotta, I mean, intellectually, you gotta realize that it happens to everyone, you know, pretty much most of the the heroes that that I have in the industry talk about you know their own feelings of, of imposterness from time to time. So mm -hmm. I know that it, it's common to everyone. And uh, you know you got to focus on the wins too. You got to focus on those times when you solved a, a tough problem and you realized, you know, I just applied knowledge to solve a tough problem, and you know I made somebody's life easier, somebody's life better that way, or I, I delivered a feature that way. So. Maybe I do know what I'm talking about. Um, regarding to imposter syndrome, I was thinking that um, in Zen, the beginner mind is actually something very valuable. Mm -hmm. And I think in programming, having a beginner mind is also something that's very useful if you want to be like progressing for a couple of decades. Yeah. So living with imposter syndrome is actually maybe a good thing. One of the things I try to encourage people to do is I, I try to encourage people to pair program with each other. And specifically, not just like people at their, you know, at, at their companies pair programming pair programming with other people at the same company, but I really try to encourage people to, to try to pair with as many different people as they can. And, um, and one of the, one of the objections that I hear to that, you know, one of the things that people say is, well, I'm a newbie, I'm a newbie programmer and I don't know much. I'd love to pair with you or I'd love to pair with somebody, you know, somebody that I respect, but I, you know, I feel like why would they ever want to pair with me? They're so far advanced. What could I possibly bring to that? Mm -hmm. And you know, but but you're absolutely right. I mean, beginner's mind is something that you bring to the table in and of itself. I mean, that's that's a valuable thing in and of itself. There are so many ba uh, advantages to for an expert in working with someone who is a novice that the novice is doing the expert a favor as much as the expert is doing the novice a favor. I mean, you know, the the opportunity to to explain things and to sort of you know, learn to put into words the things that you know. That's you know that's always been really valuable to me when I've worked with with beginners, and uh, you know the opportunity to get sort of re-excited by what I'm doing because I'm sharing something that you know is just boring to me, but to them is mind blowing, and they're so excited, you know, and that I get to benefit from that that excitement. So, you know, when when you do work with somebody who you, you view as an expert. You've got to realize that you are doing them a favor as, as much as they're doing you a favor. Where do you like to spend your vacations? The last uh, vacation that I had, which I'm pretty sure is also the first vac proper vacation that I've had, um, at least as an adult, was to the uh, the Smoky Mountains in, in Tennessee. And they're beautiful and I highly recommend visiting them if you get the chance. Where do you live and where do you come from? I live in Pennsylvania, in the U.S., which is on the East Coast, and 
I come from more or less the same area. I grew up in, in Maryland, but I, but it's only like 50 miles away from where I live now. So basically been been living you know, on the east coast of the U.S. my whole life. Do you travel much these days? Uh, yeah, I, I do find myself traveling a lot to conferences. Um, I've, I've been privileged enough uh, that a, a lot of conferences have asked me to come and talk. And, and so I do get to travel around the country and a bit over to Europe as well, hmm. which is pretty neat. What are your favorite conferences? A dead serious, I don't think I could ever pick a favorite because they've all been amazing in their own way. Which is so a very good symptom for this ecosystem, actually. Yeah, I, I cannot think of a, you know, not that I would, I would say which one it was, even if I could think of one, but I can't even think of a conference where I was like, oh, this is a, you know, this is a terrible conference. No, they've all been fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's it's really neat, especially in the Ruby community. It's really neat uh, just how vibrant the the conference ecosystem is. The next one is um, a simple one. What pisses you off? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I try not to spend too much time pissed off. So. <laughs> Any favorite foods? Yes, I like the foods. Uh, <laughs> I like pie. Pie mm. is always good. Pie and uh, right now in the in the eastern United States, it is approaching one of the the very best times of year, which is autumn and pie season. Mm -hmm. Particular, well, I mean, okay, all year long is pie season, but this is the time of year when we get fresh apple pie and and pumpkin pie and all mm -hmm. the the really great pies. So, yes, pie is good. What are your favorite programming languages except Ruby and frameworks, maybe? Hmm, interesting question. Favorite programming languages other than Ruby? I've spent a ton of time be before my sort of Ruby years in C++. I don't know if I would call that a favorite language, although I don't hate it as much as some people do. Gosh, I, I love Lisp. Um, I've never actually been a proper Lisp programmer, but because I work in Emacs all the time, mm -hmm. I spend a fair amount of time mucking around in Emacs Lisp, and, uh, and so I like that a lot. I have a special place in my heart for Tickle. I think it's under underutilized. I doubt I will ever do much Perl again, but I also kind of have a special place in my heart for Perl because of the amazing things that it enabled me to do before I started using Ruby. I feel like I'm 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 leaving out some really important ones. <sighs> Haskell broke my brain in really good ways way back when I first tried to learn it. I haven't really kept up with it since then, so I can't really remember it. But uh, but it's a like. It's got to be the best programming language for forcing you to think in in functional, like new functional ways. Like Lisp lets you cheat. You know, people call Lisp a functional programming language, but you can totally cheat in Lisp. You can't cheat in, in Haskell. Mm -hmm. And frameworks? I don't know. I, I mean, so like outside of Ruby? Mm -hmm. Or maybe not outside of Ruby. I mean, like I was saying earlier, I um, spend a lot of time, or a lot of my applications, web applications that I write are using Sinatra these days. So that's that's a definite favorite of mine because it just works so well. Mm -hmm. How did you improve as a developer? How to improve as a developer? I think a lot of it really came with came from working with smart people. Uh, when I was younger, I got to work with a lot of really experienced engineers uh, at my defense contracting job and uh, what was that? I used to work for one of the like the the big four defense contractors, and I wasn't actually doing a lot of defense-specific stuff. Mostly, I worked on air traffic control systems, civil air traffic control systems. Mm -hmm. But uh, 
but yeah, that was an interesting that was an interesting time, and I oh, learned a lot about programming that way. Um, I, it was it was interesting because it gave me it gave me good experience, sort of directly, but also sort of accidental, like indirectly. The downside of that whole world, the whole like defense contracting world, uh, which anybody who's who's in it knows what I'm talking about, is that you get a ridiculous amount of slack time, just because schedules are kind of nuts like you have you, you have rush time and then you have times when you're not doing much and mm-hmm. i don't know government projects are just there's so much waste in them mm-hmm. um and like a lot of times i, I, I was, in that world i kind of learned that projects are like teeth uh if you ignore them long enough they'll go away i learned that, that like 50 percent of the projects that that came my way if i just ignored them for long enough somebody would come along later and say yeah we decided not to build that after all <laughs> so we don't need that <laughs> you know, and it's also a world where, you know, for better or for worse, I was able to kind of skate by a lot of the time just like doing all the work at the last minute. Um and it's very it's very similar to the movie Office Space in many in many regards. That was a very familiar movie for me. And so sort of as a result of this, I found myself with a lot of time on my hands just like fooling around with programming languages and reading WikiWiki. Um you know, the original wiki uh, by Ward Cunningham and, and friends, which is still an amazing repository of software knowledge. And so, like, part of my learning from the, that job was directly from these really smart engineers that that were around me. But part of it was because I was goofing off, basically, and uh, learning stuff on my own time, reading WikiWiki, Wiki, playing with Ruby, playing with various programming languages, and and just teaching myself stuff. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of what I know as a programmer, I mean, I have very little formal education. Uh, a lot of it just comes from the amazing wealth of resources that are out there on the internet, just free for learning. That's a good segue for my next question, actually. It's about college education. What is your opinion about the importance of college education for developers these days? Uh, for what we do, it's not very important at all. I mean, uh, if you want to get hired by Google, then yeah, you should probably have a piece of paper. Um, I know they're pretty weird about that, but or you know, in any of like the, the big companies, research organizations, they they're usually big on on credentials. But for like day to day, you know, creating solutions in software, I know so many people that either don't have a degree or um, or their degree is in something totally unrelated, like philosophy or something like that, and they just, you know, or law, and they just they got bored with doing law and and decided to to what the decide what the programmers were doing looked like looked like more fun. Um, you know, it's a story I hear all, over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and my own experience is I have a tiny bit tiny bit of of community college experience, but no degree and very little formal training in, in programming. And you know, I mean, I think I did okay. I don't know. I mean, maybe the state of education for software engineering will catch up eventually, but right now it really doesn't seem that essential. So when did you start to code and uh, when did you decide to work as a developer? I think I started in my teens at some point, like young or mid-teens. I remember I I, I had happened to have an OS2 computer in the house because my dad was big on OS2. And I taught myself to program in Rex, which was the sort of the, the standard IBM scripting language of the time. I don't remember a bit of Rex at this point. I have no idea what it was like, but uh, I know that I wrote a little text adventure game in it. And then I, I took a couple of courses in programming when I was going to community college. And then I, I, got, 
an opportunity to work at uh, at the defense contractor, and I basically just sort of jumped into that mm -hmm. and uh, never looked back. Are you a fan of standing desks? I am standing at my desk right now, mm, so if that answers your question. Um, do you like meetings or brainstorms while taking a walk? I depend on walks for my brain function. I don't actually understand people who can who can s sit still without their brain shutting down. Mm -hmm. I uh, I think I sometimes annoy my family because I spend so much time pacing back and forth. But yeah, I used to I used to back when I was working at that uh, defense job. It was kind of funny because like that's not really a thing that people do, you know, go for walks to think. But I couldn't think without going for a walk. And so I think people probably used to think I was pretty weird because I would just like multiple times a day, I would get up from my desk and just start pacing around the halls. Mm -hmm. How do you read then? Oh, uh, I do. I do sit down or lay down or whatever to read. Although I do also sometimes pace around my office with a book in my hand. So there's that. What books have you been reading lately? Well, let's see. I just, uh, the Ruby Rogues are doing... Uh, our, our, for our book club, we're doing the uh, Refactoring in Ruby book by Martin Fowler and Company. Mm -hmm. And so I just finished that, and it is fantastic. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly re uh, recommend it. And uh, let's see what else. Um, when I'm just like reading fiction, the rare occasion that I, I read some fiction, I usually read Terry Pratchett or sci-fi like John Scalzi or Alistair Reynolds. Those are some authors I like a lot. Uh, I also, when I'm running, I usually listen to non-programming nonfiction. So I try to catch up on like the interesting, like you know, sociological or or historical books that I've missed out on. One that I, I finished recently was Guns, Germs, and Steel, which was was super interesting. And then what, the one I'm working through right now is Thinking Fast and Slow, and I wholeheartedly recommend this book. I haven't finished it yet, but it's just an amazing eye-opening look into all of the ways that our minds don't work right and all of the inherent biases and and lousy heuristics and things that we have that that cause us to believe things that aren't true and not just like those crazy people who believe you know that you know who wear tinfoil hats but like every single person uh, has these sort of mental bugs in their system that uh, prevent us from thinking rationally and coming to rational c conclusions about things and so it's just a like I think it's one of the most important books that I've I've ever read because just because it's like teaching me, you know, it's like a, a user's manual to my to my own brain in a sense. You know, it's teaching me flaws in my thinking that I was never aware of. Do you have a secret to decompress? Um, bourbon. Bourbon. Yes. Oh, that's a that's a simple one. <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep it simple. What are you doing in your spare time besides technology stuff? <laughs> spare time. <laughs> no, I, I, I um, my life is pretty much divided between technology and my and family. Mm -hmm. When I'm not coding or working on on Ruby Tapas videos or something like that, I am just hanging out with my family, hanging out with my wife and kids. Mm -hmm. Who do you look up to in your profession? Hmm, my fellow Ruby rogues, definitely. Let's see. There, you know, this is one of those. This is one of those things that if if I list out people, I'm gonna just feel horrible later for people that I that I accidentally left off the list. Mm -hmm. So, oh, fair enough. You know, it's it's. I mean, I, I I have a lot of respect for a lot of people who 
are have been in the in in the profession for a long time and and yet still retain their enthusiasm and their their humility. Uh, we were talking about Jim Weirich earlier, and mm-hmm. and he just you know he epitomized those qualities. You know he'd been he'd been around the block many times, but he was still just like this this just enthusiastic Santa Claus of a guy who loved showing people new things and was still you know loved learning new things and. You know, I know I know various people like that, and uh, they are a big inspiration to me. You know, and also just that I, I hope to stay to have the same you know kind of humility that he did. What do you like about working as a developer? Yeah, everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 such a great field. I mean, you know, you it's a low barrier to entry. It, you get to build castles in your mind that that actually work and do things. And, you know, there are so many opportunities to just build neat stuff. There's so much to learn that's exciting and interesting. And it's a lot of it is kind of like the, the fun that I used to have playing with Legos as a kid, only, you know, building stuff that other people can use. I don't know where, you know, <laughs> where do I stop? It's, it's a neat, neat field to be in. Mm-hmm.